Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? She gets me as a retired police detective, and I get her as someone who is an ally to many, especially adoptees. A day doesn't go by when Eileen remembers her son, Sean, an adoptee who was in reunion with her as early as his 18 years on Earth. He has made his transition as recent as two years ago, and I lovingly dedicate this episode to him. I invite you to listen in on a conversation that she said yes to in the hopes that at least one adoptee knows what's most important about knowing your family of origin. Allow me the privilege of introducing one of the most positive and transparent people I know, Eileen Abrams. So Eileen, I'm so glad you're taking the time out to have this conversation with me. And I like to start with how we first met. And and it was through a Zoom with the NAAP hour. You were on there. I just felt your energy with the things that you shared as a birth mom. Do you do you like being called birth mom or first mom or what what's your preference? I'm birth mom. Birth mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well we know mom. that's the legal term, but I always like to ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so we met on that Zoom and connected and and have been talking like on Saturday. It's morning for you and afternoon for me cuz you're in Canada. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm um, in Canada now, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I uh, I figured we'd start with the evening that we met. Mm-hmm. Well, I, of course, I, well, I do remember, of course, even though I'm 83 years old, my memory is still sharp. It sure is. <laughs> I do remember, of course, uh, I go way back in time because my son, Sean, who actually I lost two years ago, uh, I gave birth to him in 1959, and it was a time in in, in the world of adoption. And I mean, this is uh, something that people didn't talk about. I mean, this was something where you know you felt, oh my God, you know, what are you going to do? You're in a situation that's not good. And even though I'm speaking for myself now. Uh, even though I didn't want to give my son to adoption, at that point in my life, I was very young. There was no other way. I wish there were. I there was no just no other way. Mm-hmm. Um, even though people have uh, who don't understand have criticized that and say, "Well, you could have found a way," you know. But each each situation is different. 
being pregnant, and, uh, you know, he was born in New York. I was married at the time, and my situation just was not a good situation at all, and under the circumstances, I had to make a choice. Either you give this child to adoption or the child we have together. My ex had said, well, I'll take him away from you. You're going to lose him through the courts. You're unfit as a mother. Mm-hmm. And I was so young, and I was so scared, and I didn't have any other family to help me, to be there for me, to support me in any emotional way. Mm-hmm. So when I lost my son, Sean, it was like part of me died. I knew I didn't want to give him to adoption. I knew that. I may have mentioned at the meeting, at the Zoom meeting, when I left the hospital, after being there a week, uh, the people I worked with, the company I worked for, sent me beautiful flowers and fruit. And when I walked away from the hospital, crying hysterically, I was holding on to the doll and was not allowed to hold my son. They wouldn't allow me to hold him. Why shouldn't I have held my son? I was only allowed to look at him through a glass uh, window. That was it. And I knew when I left that someday I was going to find my son. Now, it was 1959, another time in history. I didn't know how. I didn't know where. I didn't know when. But I knew that I will never, ever let this go on where I should never see him again and he should never know me at all or his family. I will find my boy. I will find him. And I did after, well, it was 18 years later that I found my son John through the help of a wonderful, wonderful woman who was a blessing to me, who I met also in a very strange way. (laughs) And uh, I was helping... uh, um, other adoptees who were looking uh, for their families and that, and I was trying to help, and I was successful in certain cases for other people. And I met this beautiful woman, Marie, and uh, she was the one who said to me, uh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you find your son. And uh, she did. I'm, I'm being upfront about everything. My son, Sean, is biracial. If he wasn't biracial. I would have never told my first husband mm. that it wasn't his child. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not playing games here. I'm speaking truth in my heart. But I had no choice. So I Sean's biological father Sean's is dad. black. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, the social worker where I, I went to see a doctor because I needed to, you know, go and see a, a doctor. I told him my situation and he advised me to go to uh, the Louise Wise Services in Manhattan. Mm. And uh, and when I went there and I sat, and I was just crying. I mean, I was just sitting there crying. I was just hoping they could find something, a way out for me. And uh, they just kept telling me, you'll never, ever have a good life if you keep him. Even if you're, you know, if you leave your husband uh, you will destroy your child's life and you'll destroy your life because a white woman with a black child, it would be a, a failure for everybody and every every 
way, shape, and form. There, there, there's no way. And if you really love, you really love this child, you really love the child, you will let the child go. Hmm. And that's what, that's what I, they kept telling me. And this is Louise and Wise. Is yes, this? and then my husband wanted me to have an abortion, which was illegal at the time anyways in the 50s, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't do it. There's no way, no way. So it was very difficult for me. It was, I, I, was, I was heartbroken. When I left the hospital, as I said, I left my heart there. My heart was like pulled out of my chest. When I saw my son for the first time, after almost 18 years, I said to my husband, you know, my second husband, this was, I said, you know, my heart feels like it's back in my chest now. Mm-hmm. I said that it feels like it's back in my chest. But I was, I actually um, hired a lawyer in New York to try and get the adoption overturned. But by that time, uh, it had been four years because I had remarried, and but it, you know, it didn't happen right away, right? So he was four, my son. And I had explained to uh, my husband, I says, I'm going to tell you something. And if you don't love me enough, then walk away right now. But you've got to know about my son in New York. And he said, no, I love you. And, uh, you know, I'm with you all the way. But the lawyer in New York said, you're wasting your money. I don't want any more of your money because you can't win the case. You cannot get your son back. You know, right. and to some degree, I mean, I understand that now, clear. It was heartbreaking. And I just went on and on. I uh, I was desperate. I just thought, oh, my God. And then I had to, you know, I had to go on with my life, but he was never forgotten. Uh, I would write him little notes and letters and poems, and, you know, I saved them. I gave them to him when I found him. But when I read the book, The Search for Anna Fisher, uh, Florence Fisher had written this book many years ago, uh, that is actually where my contact came uh, with Marie, who helped me and found my son for me. I called this lady Marie, and till this day we have become sisters. <laughs> and um, then she asked me, she says, uh, uh, are you adopted? And I says, no, I'm a birth mother. And uh, she had her own feelings about birth mothers at the time. Things had not gone that well for her in her, you know, uh, in her uh, meeting with her birth mother. But uh, she did find her family, which was good. And uh, she said, I will help you to find your son. And it took about six months. And... Uh, and she she called me and said, uh, I got it. Did six months feel like an eternity, or do you think that was pretty quick? Oh, well, for me, every day was like I would pray to God. It was an eternity. It was, and then uh, a week before, she would call me, because I was, I was living in Canada at the time, and then I moved back to California. I'm a dual citizen. So, um uh, she would call me and ask me a question or just kind of update me on some stuff, but never truly told me exactly how she was doing what she was doing, and I never asked. I thought, I'm not going to let her do whatever it is. I don't want to interfere or whatever. And she called me and said, I will have his 
adopted name by the end of the week. Mm. And and I I was like, oh my God, this is this really going to happen? And I'm I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Just take your time. I'm okay. It's interesting how the pain, it even is. though you know, because I have two beautiful grandchildren mm-hmm. from my son, and I'm so grateful for that, you know. No. But anyway, she, um, she, she said in a week, and that week I, I didn't get out of bed. I, I hardly got out of bed. So my husband came home, and it was Friday night. He said, we've got to go get groceries. There's nothing in the house you haven't cooked all week. You've got to get out of bed. We've got to. We have an answering service. Hey, you've got to. So unwillingly, I went with him to the mall. And, and I came home, and uh, there was the light flashing on the uh, On the phone? Oh, my yes, goodness. Yes, and, and my husband said, oh, look, I think we have, you know, someone's called, or we have some messages. And he rewound it, and it was uh, Marie, and mm. she said, where the hell are you? I've got it. Oh, goodness. And I absolutely just, you know, yeah, mm. I was just so happy. And so, so I called New York immediately. And said, uh, you know, her husband answered the phone. And I said, oh, Marie called me. That, oh, she's gone grocery shopping. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> grocery shopping. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, my God, what if she has the name in her pocket? What if a car hits? I mean, all right, these crazy right. stuff was coming in my head. What if, you know, the car hit? Oh, God forbid. And she calls me back, of course, later. And she gave me his name. And I was like just overwhelmed with joy. I couldn't believe it. It was like a miracle from God. And I wrote his name on a whole bunch of pieces of paper and I put them all over the house. Oh, wow. In the kitchen, in the <laughs> living room, on the counter, in my bedroom, oh, everywhere. Oh, wow. And then we went to New York. Within a week, we went to New York. I was just going to say, I want to yeah. get to the reunion and and your time with Sean before he passed two years ago. Yes. But I want to take a minute to talk about the importance of adoptees knowing it is so normal to want to be in reunion with your birth family. It's a natural thing. Yeah, and it's about identity because your birth family is a part of your identity as an adoptee. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. After I found my son, Sean, and and, uh, it was was just the first, well, after he didn't know he was adopted. So when I I saw him for the first time, that's when he found out he had actually been adopted. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. No, they never told him. They never told him. But he always wondered why he didn't look like either one of them. Mm-hmm. And he also wondered why he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't feel like it was like he was in an awkward situation. They were middle class. His adopted dad was quite stern. But he didn't. He told me after, he says, I never felt like I belonged there. I told him I was his mother. And I'll never forget that moment. Yeah, it was a actually beautiful moment when I when I walked over to him and he was walking his bike he had his bike he was walking it you know and I could just picture him and uh, I asked him his name and uh, he wanted to know if I wanted junior or senior 
And then I didn't know how to proceed. Like, it's a how do I, you know, how do I do this, right? I mean, is that, I mean, my son, I mean, I, I can't believe it. It's like, God, is right. this happening? Is this really my dream, you know? And then I asked him when his birthday was. I thought, I'll ask him that. And he thought that was odd. And, in fact, he had said to me, <laughs> because he lived in a neighborhood that was uh, people of color, right? Mm-hmm. So he thought, well, what is this white woman doing here? Did I make a white girl pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, then I said, well, I had a little boy on that day. I said, in New York. Yeah. And your mother. Mm-hmm. I told him that. And he grabbed my hand. And he looked up at the sky, and he said, wow. That's what he said, wow. It took time. It wasn't overnight. It was a lot for him to digest. Because he's 18, right? Yeah, but Mm -hmm. his his adoptive family never, parents didn't tell him, which they should have told him. You know, if I find my son, the people that raised him as his parents will love me too. Mm-hmm. This is what I thought. I must have been dreaming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I thought, they'll love me. They'll hug me. They'll say, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you that you gave us this child because we didn't have any children of our own and we were blessed. And, and I thought, well, we could be one happy family, right? And they the parents that raised him and I'm the parent that, you know, that, that, that gave him his life. They right? created him, but yes. Exactly. But it didn't work out that way. <laughs> it took a couple of years. I'd, I'd, I'd go visit him in New York and, and, and uh, spend time in that. And there were questions and there was this and that. And, and then I, I went back again many times. And one time I'm driving with my uh, husband and where he lived in the area and he's walking with a girl. And uh, I, I, I said to my husband, stop the car. He's there. I got to see him. Stop the car. And I run out and I'm crossing the street behind him. And, uh, I, and, and I say it loudly, uh, oh, a, a woman could get killed trying to cross the streets in New York. And uh, he turns around. (laughs) You're so dramatic, Eileen. (laughs) Well, I could have run into a bus or something because my head was just, you know what I mean? It was like, I got, you know, uh, he turns around and he looks at me and he turns to his girlfriend, who's a girlfriend he had, and he says to her, I want you to meet my mother. Wow. And then I knew, I knew then that it was going to be okay. Mm. And then he wanted to know about his dad, of course, which I told him. So he did meet his father. He Mm. met his dad. Mm. And his dad lived in New York. And his dad uh, uh, spent a lot of time with him. His, you know, he would spend weekends with his dad. And uh, and he got to meet brothers and sisters that he has in New York. So he met also from his father's side of the family. That's good. You know, it is so important for any human being to know their roots, to know who their, their blood family is. It doesn't mean they don't love the people that raised them. And why should it? You know, if the people have been kind and caring and loving... 
you know, we can love more than one person. We love our parents, adoptive parents, foster parents sometimes as well, aunts, uncles. I mean, we love different people. Mm. So why do or should adoptive parents feel threatened? They shouldn't. Because it's normal if an adoptive parent really loves the child they raised, they want that child to be happy. And if they feel the child is not happy or would not be happy, they they should share whatever information they have. They should talk to them about it and say, we love you enough. We love you enough to know that our bond will never be broken, but you must also move forward. I and it's fine to it. find your family. That's it. Fine yeah. to find your blood family. Right. We love you enough. Like I'm getting emotional yeah. because, as you know, part yeah. of my story is that my adoptive mom did not want me to search. And yeah. um, it would be eight years after she died that I would yeah. do that. And so it was so right. ingrained in me uh, because yeah. I knew how she felt. Right. I, I just do wish that adoptees that are wondering, you know, that they're in situations where their adoptive parents are not supporting them or they're not yes. they're not being yes. acknowledged for wanting to know their roots, as you say, that it yes. is sufficient for adoptive parents to say they love you enough. Yes, we love you enough. We have a great bond with you. You are like the child that we gave birth to, but we know you have blood family, and, and, and you should know. If you love someone, you don't want them to suffer. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to feel guilty. Yeah. You say, no, we'll help you. We'll help you because we love you that much. And you know what they would get from that, the adoptive parents? They would get even more love and devotion. <laughs> I totally And that's agree. what they don't realize. Yeah, they I would totally get agree. more love and devotion from the child. I have a newspaper here. I've got it here right here. I've got so much information here and so many letters. I have so many letters from birth parents and adoptees who were who were looking when I was involved so many years ago, you know, and I was out there in the media and that and a lot of contacts. The Daily News, May 9th of 1979, and it's a picture of two women and a girl. One is the birth mother, the other is the adoptive parent, and the other is the adopted child who was an adult. And it was a beautiful letter because the adoptive mother said, no, you want to find, I'm going to help you. So they celebrated Mother's Day, the two mothers with the girl, the birth Mm. mother and the adoptive mother. Right. The girl had said, one gave me my life and the other one gave her a life. Mm-hmm. Both are mothers in a different capacity. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. And she, and she said here, I'm quoting, I feel very complete, very whole. The missing part of the puzzle is now in place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And that's so important. If you love anyone, you don't want them to suffer. What do they say? If you love someone, let them go. And if they come back to you... Oh, I don't know the exact word. I know, but the, I know, know. The, I know it. <laughs> so there's, there's enough love. I didn't hate them. It's so more than enough me. love. It is. And when I think about parents yes. who have more than one child, they may have six yes. kids or eight kids, or they right. don't think that they can't love all eight of their kids. Of course, or all, or, or if it's just two, 
Like, exactly. like you know, like they can exactly. easily love two children. So yes. Or <laughs> if you get married and you have a mother-in-law, right? Right. Another good you example. Could, you could love your mother-in-law because maybe you get on so great together. It's like, wow, like we're two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love this woman because she's so cool. Or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So, so how many for, years did ahead. you have with Sean before he passed? Oh, many, many years. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And then I moved to California, and he moved to California, and my other son moved to California. So, and then my uh, second husband and I, actually, after many years of marriage, we went our separate ways. Sean met someone and uh, when, you know, was in a relationship with this young girl or woman, <laughs> they ended up having two beautiful children and, and my grandkids live in California. I'm very close to them. They're That's just good. lovely. And, and when my son, <laughs> when his wife <laughs> was pregnant with their first child and Sean took her to the hospital, I was so excited. <laughs> said, oh my God, this is like a miracle. God, a miracle. <laughs> so, you know, and, 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 oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I went to the hospital and uh, his wife had given birth and a uh, beautiful little boy. And the nurse brought the baby in and put the baby in my arms. And I sat in a chair and I held my grandson. Mm. No one took him from me. No one said, you can't hold this child. Mm. I was holding my beautiful grandson and I was crying with joy. It was like unbelievable. You know, my granddaughter was born two years later, and we're very close. You know, I'm here now in Canada, but I really, I miss. I I, I could go back to California if I want to. Like I said, I'm a U.S. citizen, but uh, mm-hmm. with all stuff going on, and my youngest one uh, moved here from uh, California and uh, said, "You're getting older. You should." come to Canada. Well, we have a beautiful relationship and uh, and uh, my grandchildren are just we talk on the phone all the time. Uh, my grandson was out to visit before the pandemic. My granddaughter is on the phone. I want to come and see you. It's like, I know, but right now it's not it's right. stuff going on. It's like too difficult, but no, no, no. They're, they're just great. God gave me a chance. I didn't have that with my son Sean, his growing up years, but I thought, you know, God, you gave me a chance. Yes, yes, you have the chance with his seed, yes. Absolutely. Yes, that's that's really, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I remember going back to the Zoom meeting, I don't know if I said it earlier, National Association for Adoptees and Parents. That Zoom was actually about This Is Us, and I remember, you know, the show, the program. Uh, with, right. with Randall, the transracial adoptee, kind of being the yes. center of the conversation a lot of times in the adoption community. Right. I remember there was an episode that was being discussed on that Zoom about the portrayal of his birth mom. And I think uh-huh. that's kind of like that that precipitated your response about birth moms, which I thought, and I think that's what I was connecting on because you... You just, the way you strung your words together about you wanting, particularly adoptees, but surely everybody, yeah. to know that yeah. um, birth moms weren't just drug addicts, you know, because often that gets depicted oh, some geez. kind of way that gets put into the narrative 
of yeah. stories like why they couldn't yeah. keep their kids. And, and when yeah. you spoke to that, which I'd like you to do now, I was yes. like, absolutely. Like, we know that can't be the narrative that keeps coming up. <laughs> Plenty of birth moms were not, yeah, on drugs. They just had difficult decisions to make because of circumstances they were That's in. That's right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I have so many letters from years ago, like I said, so many birth mothers who explained to me why, what happened. They, you know, and absolutely not. I, I helped this other one fella, I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, who, who heard me on a, on, a, on a, I was on a television open line show and, and, and uh, he couldn't get through and he, and the, the uh, TV station called and can we give him your phone number? He actually tried to commit suicide uh, about three weeks prior, I think it was. And he desperately wants to talk to you. And I said, fine. So uh, we connected and he actually came over to my home and uh, I looked at all the stuff he had and there was a name and I, I, I knew it then. I just knew it. I said, I probably shouldn't have said that because if I didn't uh, succeed, he really would have committed suicide. He said, uh, I said to him, I'm going to find your mother. I said, I'm going to find her. I knew it. I just knew it. And, you know, three days later, I found her. Three days later, I found his birth mother. You're just the investigator, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's why I love, you know, you know my work. That's some of the work I did. So, yeah. (laughs) But anyways, so we went out. We went out to his home. We talk about like, oh, the drug addict woman, right, or whatever. We, We drove out to his home. He didn't tell her he was coming. Didn't say a word. He didn't contact her, nothing. And I didn't do that. I just, hey, this is where she's living. This is blah, blah, blah. We go out, a nice little home, you know, in the burbs. He knocks on the door. This lady, and probably in her 50s, later 50s, whatever, some opens the door, and he tells her who he is. And you know what she says to him? She says to him, you know, dear, I dreamt you were coming. I swear to God. God works in mysterious ways. She invited us in. Her husband was in the living room sitting there. You know, an older guy. And not that old, but, you know, (laughs) but older. You know, maybe 60 or something, whatever. (laughs) And we were all sitting in the dining room and talking. And he was so happy. He was reborn, basically. And I still remember, and this is so many years ago, I remember him following her into the kitchen. And he kept saying to her, Mommy, Mommy. He almost became like a little boy. So, you know, adoptees shouldn't feel, in my opinion, don't feel guilty. Don't feel like you're doing the wrong thing. It's it's normal. It's normal to want to know your roots. You could have brothers, sisters out there, grandparents, uncles, aunts. When my dad was dying on his deathbed, he had said to me, I want you to go into the closet in the hall. I have a brown paper bag and I have a gold watch hidden in there. And he said, you've got to take it to Sean. I said, I promise you, dad, I'll give him your gold watch. But, you know, I mean, why should adoptees be deprived? And they may not all work out that well. Sometimes they don't. But at least to say, I know, 
I know. I have um, been really amazed at how many birth moms have become search angels. Their titles are very different sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I know they have helped adoptees search. And so my searcher, uh, Melissa Mitchell, was my searcher, who is a birth mom. And who yes. is who found her, her daughter. Um, yes. And to me, birth moms, yes. birth parents are some of our greatest allies. So I, I appeal to yes. any listening <laughs> adoptee. No, you know I'm serious. I, yes. I no, know no, this to sure. be true. I know this to be true because yes. a lot of times with the with um, conversations that we're having within the community, yes. adoptees. Right. Um, not, are maybe not that interested in hearing from adopt uh, birth adoptive parents and right. birth parents. They want to just hear from right. each other, and I get that. Right. But I think it's so important that um, well, I know for me to acknowledge yes. any and all allies. That, you know, like yes. my aunt is an ally. Yes. <laughs> she's an adoptee yes. ally. Yes. And she's never been yes. adopted or yes. a birth mom or anything. Yes. Uh, yes. So adopt. I say yes. all that to say a. Birth parents are many times adoptees, allies, and and yes. it's so obvious because, like, you're helping people to search, you're helping yes, adoptees absolutely. to search, and you've been doing that. And you've been active about the importance yes. of it. It's a part of an adoptee's identity to know their yes. original family. Yes. Yes, my brain works a certain way where, you know, I'm... Yeah, <laughs> and I, clicks, felt, you know? I felt your energy on that Zoom as an ally. I think that's <laughs> that's what how I'm going to put it. I felt it, and and so at the end yeah. of that Zoom, I don't know how long it went, um, an hour and a half or whatever, yeah. I was so yeah. appreciative that we were able to exchange contact information, and you have been a blessing to me. This will air after Mother's Day, but I just want everybody to know it's recorded a day before Mother's Day, and right, so this right. recording is really dear to me yeah. because it's the weekend of Mother's Day that I get to exactly. talk to you, exactly. and and so yeah. what would you share yeah. with those who are interested in searching for original family members? Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. If you need help, do they have people to help them or to give them ideas or to, you know, I mean, every case is different. Stay positive. If you have someone who's helping you out, that's great. And I'm sure there are a lot more people out there today who are helping adoptees and birth mothers than there were 45 years ago or more. So just don't feel guilty. Don't feel like, oh, I, my adoptive parents will think, you know, I'm unappreciative or I don't love them. No, that's not so. Try and explain to them, uh, you know, have a heart-to-heart with them. Say, no, I don't love you. I do love you. But, you know, it's important for me. And If you love me, then please, you know, don't be there. Stand by me. Stand with me. Mm-hmm. You know, Support me, and, yeah. Exactly. Support me. I need your support. I want your support. I'm not going to stop caring about you or loving you. Now, some adoptive parents, there are a certain percentage. Not enough, I don't think. You know, not enough. I think, Uh, and we talked about this before, I think some adoptees may be concerned about secondary rejection like that's a legitimate reason to say no I'm not going to go down that road and what would you say to to those adoptees that feel that way okay in regards to that 
you may not get exactly what you're looking for and hoping for. But maybe, maybe the birth mother, and it's not very often, it's very rare that the birth mother will reject. Mm-hmm. Not often at all. Mm-hmm. But if, it's so, if it does happen, like this lady in California, I found her mother and her brother. The relationship with her mother didn't work out that well. But she had a beautiful relationship with her brother. Right. So it may not work out exactly the way you hoped it would with your mother, at least you know, Mm -hmm. or a father. There are some fathers who also want to know, who want to find. Yes. But you could have sisters, brothers, nieces, nephews, grandparents. I mean, yeah. That you wouldn't have, right, that you wouldn't have connected with. If you hadn't exactly. searched, that's what we were talking exactly. about. Yeah, exactly. I, and I found that to yes. be so true. I there there yes. may just be one person that you have this amazing relationship yes. with that you yes. wouldn't have had if you hadn't searched for birth mom and birth dad. Exactly. Like you can connect with those other generations, especially the exactly. younger ones which are very meaningful relationships. So I'm so glad you shared that. Because it may not look like you wanted to look or thought it would look, but it may look, it may look even better. You never know. Exactly. And the other thing that is, it's probably rare that this would happen, but if you don't know your roots, if you don't know your family, uh, you could, uh, in effect, marry a cousin, That's a blood true. cousin, That's true. or a brother, mm-hmm. or a sister. Yeah. How many times have there been situations where I said, oh, I went to the school just down the block from you. <laughs> yeah. You know, there have been cases I've read where, gee, you went to that school, wow, you know. So for so many reasons, for health reasons, to know, gee, will I get diabetes? Will I get heart disease? Uh, because uh, when they ask questions when you're young, it's like, oh, yeah, you're healthy as can be. But as you get older, people have different health conditions. And if you need a kidney or if you need something, I mean, for so many reasons on so many levels, I mean, why? And why should adoptees be punished? For what? Mm -hmm. They didn't sign a paper when they were born and said, yeah, I never want to know who my real blood family is. So that's fine. So, I mean, that's just ridiculous to say that, oh, no, no, there are a lot of them, they're drug addicts to me, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> it's like people who are prejudiced, right? They'll say, oh, you know, there's a black man in the store, we've got to watch him, he might shoplift, mm, right? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? That profile. That's being the it's true, though. I mean, this is the thinking of, of foolish people, mm-hmm. you know, foolish people. So, no, no, I don't believe there are very many. In fact, I was talking to my friend Marie about it, and she said that it's very low percentage, very mm-hmm. low. I believe you that. Know? Yeah, I believe yeah, that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know? and it's it's the yeah. adoptive parents who have center stage still uh, that drive yeah. that narrative. I really believe that. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that kind of makes it seem like, well, yeah, we're saviors. I mean, these pe- yes. these people yes. had kids and they, you know, were on drugs yes. and then we came along. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I personally don't know. Like the people that I know personally who are adoptees, yes. right. their moms were yes. either too young, you know, very young and their parents made yes. the decision because I'm from the 60s. Right, right. Or 
They, I, mm-hmm. I know people who their birth parents were in right. college. They were like 18, 19, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or in situations, all kinds that had nothing to do with drugs. <laughs> you know, no, not at do, all. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. I had letters, like I told you know, I'd written an article many, many years ago after I found Sean, and I got letters from some adoptive parents that told me I should go crawl under the rock I came out of. How dare I? How dare I want to try and, 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 and take away that boy, you know, and what do I want? And others wrote me, oh, what do you want? you want to, uh, to uh, have him work for you now? You're going to retire so he can work for you now? And you're a low life, and you're not the mother. I, I, I have the letters here. I've got them. I've got them in a file. I mean, you absolutely couldn't believe it. And I, I read them, and I think, gee, I thought, these people shouldn't even be allowed to have a dog. Never mind the child, mm. if that's their thinking. Right. right. You know, horrible. I have a, a poem that a, 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 an adoptee sent me many years ago. Oh, you're going to read it? Ha- would you like me to? I would. It's, it's by an adoptee, you said. Yes, it's by an adoptee. It's a, I've had, like I said, if you ever come to visit me, you can, I'll show you all <laughs> the stuff I have here. <laughs> we can go over everything. <laughs> A poem for my birth mother. Many years have passed since that fateful day on which a document was signed to give a child away. I was yours to carry deep inside, in despair, in anguish too. But I became another's child to love when I was taken away from you. The years flew by and life was good except for once in a while, when the aching to know you and see you and touch you overshadowed life's joys and smiles. Time and again would I ponder the mystery surrounding your letting me go. Did you want to? Did you love me? And even more, do you ever think of me now? Perhaps you still live within the secret that you never can share, or perhaps You've put it out of your mind, although the guilt is still there. I wish you could know that I understand the events, the emotions, too. I wish you could know that I am happy and well, and that I will always feel love for you. Want to give credit to who that is, who wrote that? I, I haven't got her name. This is the thing. I'll okay. sh- I have no name. I went through files and files because when I was on air, so I was on a lot of shows, I was a lot of prints, a lot of stuff going on, and I have tons of letters and requests and this and that and so much stuff. And this one, I was looking through the files, and I thought, oh, wow, there was no signature, nothing on it, nothing. One thing that the Louise Weiss, is that the name of the adoption agency? Yeah, Louise Weiss, yeah. Yeah, I want to just circle back around to that, because, you know, that agency has been in the news quite a bit over the the last, at least decade that I'm aware of. um, Some documentary was made, and most recently a book. American yeah. Baby by Gabrielle Glaser. Yeah. Right. What, what, uh, what would you say about that agency? I mean, I know you had direct contact with them. Yes. And yes. at the time of relinquishment. And so did you have yes. any more contact with them through the years oh, yes. at all? Okay. Yes, yes. 
Uh, well, after everything happened, uh, they uh, sent me to a psychiatrist because they said to forget about my baby. So that, that they, work. they is the agency? Paid. Yes. So they pay for and, you to go see? Yes. <laughs> a shrink, yes. Wow. And I only went twice, I think. No more than that. How could I forget my child? Yeah. How are you telling me to forget my flesh and blood? You know, you're not going to start working with my mind telling me I'm going to forget. I'll never forget my child. Never. So after that, I would write them letters. And in fact, I have letters here in my files. I would write them and say, like if I moved, let's say, or I would just write them to say, I want to know how he's doing. I hope he's doing well. And I'm thinking about him. And if the adoptive parents uh, ever want to contact me, please give them my address, my phone number. I always kept in touch with them over the years. And I have all the letters. And I have copies of what I wrote to them. Mm. I did. And then, yes. And then after uh, Sean, uh, you know, uh, I found Sean. Marie found Sean. We had a meeting in New York, uh, Sean and... uh, his adoptive parents and myself. You see, it was at the agency's office mm-hmm. there. It was horrible. I was, I was shaking. I was shivering. And Sean just wanted to know about his family and asking me questions and, you know, so happy to, to answer to whatever he, he wanted. He wanted to know anything. And then when they left, uh, I was like, I was just, I was falling apart, actually. And uh, I, I said to the social worker, oh, I says, I just, it's too much. I can't, it's too much. I, you know, I'm just so, oh, it's like awful. It was like being tortured. It was like being, you know, uh, abused, okay, verbally abused. She said to me, I'll never forget it. She says to me, well, what did you expect? Mm. Very cold. I'll never forget those words. What did you expect? Like mm. very, you know, nasty. Right. And I thought, you know, and I walked out of there. I remember I was walking in Manhattan. I was just walking. And it was, yeah, it was not a good situation. Yeah. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I've heard but such no. horrible things about that adoption yeah. agency, which, you know, what it makes yeah. me think as a retired detective. <laughs> uh, who <laughs> yeah. else has got those practices going on? You know, like what oh, other, a- you know what I mean? Like what other agencies yeah. and that yeah. are still alive yeah. and well, because I do believe, yeah. um, I'm not going to yeah. name it, but it's a well-known agency in Chicago, in the right. suburbs of Chicago. You probably know what I'm talking about. Right. I know quite a few adoptees that came through there. Because uh, they've been around a long time. But it makes me think, right. what other agencies yeah. had those practices and perhaps even still do? Yeah, this has been great. I, I'm just glad you took the time. I love our Saturday conversations. We cover so yeah. much. And we and, and just so everybody knows, we do cover far more than adoption. I just <laughs> I wanted we the do. opportunity to, for people to hear from yeah. you because your energy, yeah. I picked up on wow. it on that uh-huh. Zoom, and I'm so glad I did. I oh. think I'm kind of perceptive like that. And yes, and it's yes, been great yes. for me to be able to talk to you. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we both, we have a lot in common, you know. And like we were, when I said yesterday something about something, I don't like to do anything half-assed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we don't I like know. to do half-assed stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I felt connected to you when I was, was interested, sitting at the meeting, you know, my yeah. uh, my bedroom, that Zoom meeting. 
and everybody else were nice people. Don't get me wrong, okay? <laughs> but I, but there was something about you that I felt connected to. I just said, this woman, I don't know. I feel like connected to her. I, you know, I, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. So, so good. Uh, and thanks. I just yeah, thank you because yeah. it's a privilege um, for you to share oh, so much. Please. And and oh, I'm going to dedicate I, this uh, episode to Sean I um, in his oh. memory. Oh, I'll cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I still cry a lot, you know. Yeah, I do too. It comes up when I least expect it, and that's why yeah. I, I just subscribe to it being a lifelong journey of healing yeah. for all of us. And I'm just glad right. you were able to, to find him and, and oh, spend some I, I, years I, I with him. Yeah. I never would have stopped. Yeah. I never would have. I know. I, I was never going to give up. Yeah. I would never have given up. Never. Yeah. I'm very, you know, determined, and, and I, I just like, no way, no way. Yeah. I was going to look for him forever. So, and he's here. He's in Canada. I told you I had him brought here. Right, right you did. You yeah, did he's here. I have a family plot here that I bought many, many years ago, and uh, he, uh, so he's here. Yeah, and someday I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll be there too. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's a family plot for uh, for all of us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Life. so I yeah. do. I sounded okay. You sound. Did yeah, I sound okay? you sound great. And we're gonna close now. And is there yes. anything like just parting words for adoptees? Have faith in yourself. Have faith that you know it's gonna work out. And even if it doesn't work out exactly as you hoped it would, not it can for everybody. But, you know, you may not get all you want, but at least you'll get some. And at least you'll know. At least you'll have the, you'll know. You won't have to think, I wonder this, I wonder that. You'll know your roots. You'll know your family. And you might be in for some really nice, happy surprises, you know, because most are. They're welcome and loved and cared about. So, and don't feel guilty. You know, don't feel guilty. You know, your adoptive parents respect them, love them, care for them, but you also have to take care of yourself. That's very important. That's very a important. Beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Eileen. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate Eileen sharing how she knew she would find her son or look for him upon him turning 18 and did just that. She understood the importance of him knowing his story and beginnings as soon as possible. Any messy circumstances surrounding how he came into the world weren't more important than him learning the truth. Eileen has given me a wealth of information about how birth moms have had to live with the guilt of their decisions for decades and how for her, it has never gone away. My prayer is that all birth parents come to understand that they can forgive themselves and let go of the guilt. Thank you, Eileen, for saying yes to a conversation with me in the hopes that at least one adoptee can better relate to a system that sometimes seeks to keep us from knowing our truths that can often only be learned in reunion. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, Leave a review, subscribe, give a rating, tell a friend or someone who you believe might find value in it. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word. 
Hashtag Adoptee Land.